Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why did God give marriage? Because of loneliness. You're not designed to go through life if you're married. And more than 90% of you will be married at one time. You're not designed to go through life separate, living in the same house, but never meeting. You're designed to do life together as best friends. To be honest, the friends part is way more important than the sexual part. The sexual part is a few nights a week for a few minutes, half hour, hour, whatever. Friends is 24-7. When Adam and Eve were new, there were no other humans to relate to. They could converse with God, of course. What a concept. But as far as people, it was only those two at the beginning. And they suited each other perfectly. Then they rebelled against God and all relationships were corrupted. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the truth that God hasn't changed his mind about his plans for men, women, and marriage. It's still the same. You'll learn about the forms that Satan's twisting of God's plan has taken and what you can do in your family to be a factor for godly restoration. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. Let us hear your lessons for living. Now, one of the things I have when I got married is, remember, we've been talking about the big eyes. I selfish, I boss. Here's one of ours that we like to use. I change you. Now, I learned 30 years ago, 35 years ago, I couldn't change Linda. So I stopped trying to change her 35 years ago. Not This November, we'll be married 44 years. Guess who's still trying to change her? Me. How stupid am I? But don't look at me that way. Some of you have been married longer than me, and you're still trying to do it too. Why? Because I'm an imperfect person. In this marriage, this marriage will always be imperfect, but we have a perfect God. And that's what brings us hope. Now, if I have that attitude, a lifetime commitment, Understand that divorce is not an option. Murder, yes. (laughs) Little antifreeze in the glass, tasteless. Just to give you an idea, if some of you need that. Murder, yes, but divorce, no. No, I'm joking. If divorce is not an option, then that simply means Andy and Ann are going to work at it. They're going to work very hard at it. Now, how long do they have to work at it? Forever. Why? Because they're both imperfect people. It never ends. But when you work hard at something, it's worth it. And that's where you and I are today, working hard with God 
and our spouse. In fact, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. You cannot forget God. If you're here today and God isn't part of your relationship, you just have this eros and you just have this kind of phileo friendship and God isn't there, then your marriage will never really be what it needs to be. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, first book in the Bible. We've covered agape love. Now we're going to go to the second kind of intimacy. First was spiritual. The second is sexual intimacy. And the word is, it's identified right here in verse 25. Genesis 2, verse 25. And the man and the woman were both naked and they felt no shame. So God's word, the Greek word for love, sexual love, is eros. Now that raises a little bit of concern for some people. Because we get our English word erotic from that Greek word. And so early on, the church kind of came up with this idea that erotic and eros was bad. It was satanic. That's 100% wrong. I mean, do you think that Hugh Hefner designed sex? No, he perverted it. God designed sex. How do I know that? The man and the wife were both naked and there was no shame. What's the first command we have for the man and the wife? To have sexual intercourse and have children. Whose idea? God's. So as we begin to understand this, notice that, well, how would it have been back in the Garden of Eden when God brought Eve to Adam. What do you think that looked like? Well, Eve was excited. And I believe during that, oh, the next few months, here's what would happen quite often. As they're going down the river of life, Adam would lean over and say to Eve, let's pull the boat to the shore. (laughs) Eve knew what he meant, even though you don't. You know what he meant, don't you? And so over to the shore we go. And I bet there's a time or two that Ann snuck over and said to Andy, you remember when God first marries in the garden? We never even got in the boat. Oh, they were always on the shore. And on the shore in that room was a mirror on the wall. It was actually on the ceiling. Now, as you begin to think about this, this passion that God put within us, comes because he designed us as human beings with all the hormones and all the physical compatibility. It's arrows that really got you married. What attracted you was another individual. That passion was there. So I want you to understand today that spirituality and sexuality are intimately entwined by God. So write this definition down, then we'll talk about it for a moment. Sexual intimacy is a gift from God. Well, why did he bring it? Not just for children, but for oneness. Nothing more intimate than a man and a woman naked making love to each other, husband and wife. He brought it together for pleasure. 
That's why we have the, the ability to have orgasms and all the rest of this thing. But remember, sexual intimacy is not just intercourse. It's, it's the attraction. It's holding each other. It's, it's, it's a, just that love that just flows through all of us. And of course, last, sexual fulfillment within the marriage. So if you're here today and you're being sexual outside the marriage, either before marriage or having an affair, it's a sin before God. Stop it. If some of you are living together today, call the church office. We'll find a way to help you get that separated, get you married, and do it right. You can't go against the commandments of God. Doesn't matter what the world says. You can't go against them and expect good things to happen. Now, Linda and I have a great relationship. And quite often, Linda will come in the family room and come over and sit down next to me. Well, the other night she came over and she had her Bible in her hand. And she sat next to me on the couch. And she opened it and she began to read this. Let me read it to you. It's from the Song of Solomon. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle, a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into my room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. She read that. That's out of the Bible. I turned to my wife and I said, Linda, we've been married 44 years. I know what you're after. And then I said this to her, no, not again tonight. <laughs> Honey, the week has been a disaster at the church. So many issues. I'm just tired. All I want you to do is sit there and hold me. <laughs> How many believe that? <laughs> you know better, don't you? You see, by the way, I ran that by my wife in case you wonder. Otherwise, there would never be another night. That would be it. <laughs> I do that because you have to understand there are differences between us. Male and female look at sexuality. We're both made to have orgasms. We both have testosterone flowing in us. And we both love to make love. But it's different. For a man and the woman, you know that. And of course, as, as life goes on, it changes in the man some and it changes in the woman with, with, with menopause and all the different kind of changes. And yet we can be kind, we can be caring to each other, and we can be ministering to each other's needs. But how do we really handle all of those kind of differences? Well, the Bible tells us how to do that. And let me read to you very quickly out of 1 Corinthians 7. Don't turn there, 1 Corinthians 7. Listen to this. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except by mutual consent and only for time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come back together again, meet together sexually, so that Satan will not tempt you. So what does that say to me? It means that a husband and wife 
in all of our lives should be practicing that gift of sexual intimacy on a regular, routine, normal schedule. You make the time. You give in to one another. You make it happen. Now, some of you are going to say, how's that going to, I can't do that. How's it going to work? Here's how. Write it down. I believe God gave me this this week. Husbands and wives make eros love, the sexual love. How do I please my spouse when I, when I don't want it tonight? Or she doesn't want it. Here's how. By agape love. See, what does agape love do? Agape love wants the best for the other spouse. So there's times my wife will say, not really interested tonight. That's fine. Okay. Or there's times that she'll say, I'm not interested, but we're going to make love anyway. And I'll make love because I love you. You see, if I choose to please my spouse, God will bless me. And it removes I selfishness in the sexual area. It's a huge area because we have so many couples today because we're so busy. We don't make love. In our counseling sessions, we have many people that come and say, why don't we make love two or three, four times a year? What's up with that? We laugh, but it's very dangerous because we become too busy. Intimacy is required by God, given to us, never demanded, never on the boss, but loving each other, choosing to honor God by pleasing your spouse. You see, when I do that, it destroys I selfish. Now, there's one more, best friends. We've covered the spiritual. We've covered the sexual. Now, here's the relational or the emotional. Ecclesiastes 9, 9 says this. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. You see, God expects both spouses to be best friends. Stop and think what it was like when you were dating. Can you go back? I was thinking about this the other day. When Linda and I were dating, one night I came over to her home and I brought her a pickle corsage. It was kind of a joke we had. And she opened it. There's this big gherkin and all kinds of flowers and stuff out of it. And we just laughed about it and laughed about it and laughed about it. I think this week I'm going to make another one and just surprise her. Let me ask you a question today. You making memories in your marriage? You making memories in your marriage? Or has it become, here's what I believe Satan does to our marriages. He brings boredom into our marriages. One week turns into two, turns into six. It's the next month. It's the next year. And we're just going through the motions. There's no freshness. There's no excitement. There's no difference. There's nothing to look forward to. We're just plodding through our marriages. Is that you today? Is that what your marriage looks like? You see, Ann and Andy need to be exploring new ways to be best friends. We need to listen more. We need to talk more. We need to share our real conversations and simply have fun together. See, the key... It's together. Now, let me caution you. As we look at Ann and Andy, if one of you would rather be alone most of the time than together, that's a huge red flag. You need to deal with it. 
Why? Why did God give marriage? Because of loneliness. You're not designed to go through life if you're married. And more than 90% of you will be married at one time in your life. You're not designed to go through life separate, living in the same house, but never meeting. You're designed to do life together as best friends. To be honest, the friends part is way more important than the sexual part. The sexual part is a few nights a week for a few minutes, half hour, hour, whatever. Friends is 24-7. So what tips can I give you? Well, one of the things Linda and I try to do is we try to just kind of kill that boredom and bring stuff together. And write this down and then let me explain some things to you. Husbands and wives are to be best friends Not just while you're dating, not just during the early years, but for life. You're to be your spouse's best friend for life. We want to do things together. So let me give you some suggestions. Take walks together. And by the way, when you do, hold your spouse's hand. We live near a beach. Many of you have not been near the beach in five years. Go out tonight when the sun comes down. Just walk on the beach with your spouse and look out on the ocean and go, God, you're an amazing God. Look how much water there is. Make a memory. You see, having memories on a camera is great. But one day in your marriage, one will be gone. And it isn't getting the photo albums out or the digital that we have on the TV now. It's what's in here and what's in here. You need to make memories now. So take walks. Go out to a different place for dinner. Something you would never try. Try the crazy food. Have fun with it. Laugh over it. Leave it if you can't eat it. That's cool. But try something. Try something different. Not, he's a steak and potatoes man. <laughs> try something different. Go to a Chinese place and go, what is that? And enjoy it. And by the way, Talk in the home. To do that, you have to put the newspaper down and you have to turn the TV off. Surprise your spouse. Take him out to lunch. Take your spouse and do something different. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. I gave you all of these things because we need to look at marriage in the beginning. We put up some eye selfish I boss, I change you, I expect you to be like me. We put all those with the big I, not the small I. Let me remind you, I had one more new one today. I selfish, I boss, I independent. Now, isn't it interesting that God didn't give any commands that we read today to Adam and Eve? God didn't say to Adam, love your wife. Lead your wife, submit to your wife. He didn't say to Eve, love and submit and respect your husband. He didn't give any of those commands. God also didn't give any of the warnings we saw in 1 Corinthians. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrong. Why didn't God have to give any of those? Because there was no sin in the original marriage. Adam and Eve... We're in relationship with God. There was no sin. There was no I selfish. There was no I boss. There's no I manipulate you. I take advantage of you. There was none of that. 
In fact, it wasn't really a whitewater rafting ride. Marriage was more like two people just in a calm little river floating down it because there was no difficulty. There's no selfish. There's no sin. They're not thinking about anybody else. They're not trying to take advantage. They're in relationship with God. And it's great. Well, how did it get from there to where every corner is dangerous? And where Adam says, turn, and Eve says, no way, I'm going that way. How did it get there? Well, we discover how it got there. Genesis 3. And by the way, in case you think your marriage is going to be like the little two tubs there, I think not. Every one of us are whitewater rafting today. And you'll see why. Take a look at Genesis chapter 3, and we'll see what that looks like. What you need to write down is our third key of four keys as we've been doing this marriage series. Here it is. Write it down. Marriage, the deceiver, Satan. Oh, he's active, but he's already defeated. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we're introduced to the very first time to Satan. Now, the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is the first time we see Satan. How did Satan get here? Who is Satan? Well, Satan used to be an angel, the head worshiper in heaven. He was a little eye angel until he decided... I boss, I rebel, I live independent of God. What does that look like? I won't ask you to turn there today. I'm going to speak to you about it. You can write this down, though. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Listen, listen how Satan fell. Here's what Satan said to God. Watch the big eyes. I will ascend to heaven... I will set my throne above God's stars. I, Satan, will preside over the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I, Satan, will climb to the highest heavens. And I, Satan, will be like the most high God. Satan had it perfect. He was in a perfect world. And he had, like man, a choice. Lovingly serve God who created you. Satan's a created being. He's not God. He was a created being. He had a choice just like Adam and Eve. Remember, Adam and Eve were told, every tree is yours. Go for it. Maybe 600,000 trees. Who knows how many? Just one. Don't go near it. Don't eat it. Because if you do, you'll surely die. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you learned how marriage was in the beginning found out that it was quite different with a lot fewer instructions from God than those he's giving you today. You found out that Satan's deception of the first couple affected them in ways they couldn't even imagine. Thankfully, God's smarter than Satan, so God's given you ways to improve your marriage. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. You'll be reminded about the frustrations you might have as you try to make your marriage better than it is now. You'll find out about a possible missing piece that will give you the ability to make your marriage happier and more functional, giving you more peace of mind. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.